Welcome, travelers, to the Tri Tech Games Podcast. Come see how the Romans, the Norlanders, and the Demixie all celebrate the winter solstice. And now, our hosts. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Rich. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of ringing in Twelfth Night with festivals and celebrations, but they're not ours. They're from a very far away. Yo, Saturnalia. We had a competition. Uh, we had a, a, a voting thing, and we said, what do you want your Christmas or holiday, whatever way you want to look at it, episode to be? And by a very slim margin, uh, this could have been a very different podcast. Uh, but as it is, we are d- talking about uh, celebrating a non-Christmas holiday, uh, winter holiday on some of the alternate worlds of Fringeworthy. And each of us has uh, at least attempted to pick one of the various Fringeworthy races and cultures that are in the book and see what we could do about bringing the awesome to their Midwinter's Festival. So, uh, who wants to go first? Well, it seems that John and I chose the same subject. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But because yep. it's so encompassing, we we it it works to be split up. So and also there'll be regional differences, even though there is communicate. You know, there is the, the signal towers in Pactramana. Even there, there is the printing press. It's not the same thing as having radio or TV. Therefore, there's going to be regional differences. So, so what you're saying is, is that you and uh, John is that you and Trav have chosen Pax Romana Universus as the place that you wanted to expound on your midwinter festival. Uh, now, you uh, from what you said before. Uh, the podcast started you're going to be concentrating on how they do things up north in londinium while trav is is going downtown to rome and telling us how things shake out in the mediterranean yep and we're not going to even touch uh north africa or or ethiopia or the arabian peninsula or Probably for the best, Persian or up, 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 or in the Rus area, where up to the Volga, up to um, oh, was it uh, not the Volga River? Yeah, along the Volga River and up to um, Caspian Sea. So that's you know everything. You know, remember it also includes the Germanic area. So everything up to like uh, including Denmark. Devil, you say? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not in that. No, he's not in that though. Well, he does have his, you know, his lookalikes in the Roman religion, you know, <laughs> you know, consider, you know, uh, 
considering how much barring was done. <laughs> okay. All right. So wh- which of the two dynamic duel wants to start off? <laughs> I could be a real could say age before beauty. Just yeah. <laughs> I get to go both. I get to go both both times. Then no, no. Wow! <laughs> oh, like modesty while we're at it. Yeah, three times. <laughs> well, I've heard that an aged Scotch is a thing of beauty. You want to go round and round with ego, John? All righty. <laughs> <laughs> Already, uh, is is this part of the spirit of your uh, of, of your culture? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, you know, reading, you know, by reading up in Romans, everyone thinks, oh, Saturnalia, orgies and that stuff. No, not really. The Romans actually were fairly conservative. Oh, Pasha. <laughs> no, they were. They were fairly... Conservative people don't try to take over the known world. <laughs> they just did it conservatively. They did it with pinkies up, Bruce. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> And be honest, the Celts are even more stick in the muds than the the Romans. So yeah, it, it's it, basically Londinium. I would. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm no, actually. I'm covering Londinium and how how it goes there and and Britannia. And it's. Uh, I would say one because it's cold and there's snow. In fact, this is during the uh, during the Little Ice Age. So yeah, the River Thames will freeze over on occasion. So it gets so freaking cold there. Uh, so you're not going to see people walking around in there all together, <laughs> unless they're really crazy people. Uh, but yeah, down there in nice, sunny, warm Rome, which will probably be about ten degrees colder. Uh, yeah, they might they might in- engage, considering that one of the go- one of the goddesses is Volupi- Volupia, who's celebrated during this time, the goddess of um, of sensuous joy and well other things too. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But uh, well, maybe it actually give some background. I've been developing background for the for the for the Pax Romana in Savage Worlds. So I should probably give some background so so um, Trav can have some back. Has can benefit from that too. Yes, because yeah, because unfortunately we just found out that the at the podcast that we both chose the same thing. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So one, you know, the uh, the Empire starts uh, much earlier in seventy. Uh, I say seventy one seventy. Uh, BC, with Spartacus conquering Rome and declaring himself emperor, uh, doing some research. Yeah, there was Julius Caesar was a tribune in Rome at the time. He was basically he never really rose to prominence. He really never got to be a big shot in Rome. Spartacus did way. Yeah. Yes, John. But Londinium. Londinium. Yes, I'll get to that. <laughs> we have to carry. We had some background first. Because uh, because with Spartacus' decisions changed a little bit of how Saturnalia worked. When it first started out, Saturnalia, Saturnalia was just like a one or two day festival. It grew in size as time went on. Yes, it went from the seventeenth of December on the Julian calendar and went ended up going all the way to the twenty third. So we're talking six days here, six seven days. Seven days because Romans count inclusive, so they would call it eight days. The Romans are they count inclusively, so they include the day the the day before when they count. So for them, it would be eight days, even though it's seven calendar days. <laughs> yeah, it's cra- Yeah, crazy. Um, and and actually, but it wouldn't be Julian calendar because well, there was no Julie 
to make the calendar. So it's actually, a, a, I would say, my the, the background I'm coming up with is it's it's actually a modified calendar. It's closer to the Gregorian because someone decided to talk to the Greeks instead of a Roman about how many days, how many, how long a year was. The Romans thought the year was 365.25 days. The Greeks, the Greeks realized it was 365.2462 days. That's enough difference that, you know, by the time we, we, the Gregorian calendar was adopted, it was about uh, 10 days out of whack. Also, the Romans loved to throw in 27 days into the calendar in weird spots uh, before that. And so, yeah, it's, there, was some regula- there was some calendar reformation going on. Uh, one of the things I, I came up with was that instead of there being a leap day, what they, every year is 365 days. Even the leap years are 365 days. It's just that one of those days is two days long. And it's usually decided by the emperor what day that's going to be. And the current emperor has decided over the past several you know, um, years that it's going to be the 17th of December. It's going to be, you know, so the 17th of December on a leap year is going to be two, is two days long. Boy, I hope that's a Saturday. No, uh, well, there's no Saturdays. I'm, uh, the calendar, the no, no, the, the, no. Actually, it's important. The calendar here is an eight-day calendar, um, and it's labeled A through H. There are no, there are, there, there's no Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. None of that. It's just A through H, and one, and one of those days is what's called Market Day. That would be the equivalent of a Saturday. Yeah. Well, I hope it's market day then. No, because I want to sleep in those two days. No, in this case, market day is always sort of considered, always put at the twenty fourth, the day before solstice, which is the twenty fifth. So yeah, sounds like right. Everyone goes to the market the day before Christmas. Uh, <laughs> but that that but over the years, as Rome expanded, it's con- as it conquered, it also conquered, it also absorbed other religions. So yeah, Italy is pretty much pure. I would say pure. Uh, Roman style, but as you got into France and you got into England and, G- and Germany and Spain and down, you know, each one of those took a different character on and modified the uh, the pantheon. So, well, yeah, I mean, if they're they're going out and they're conquering, that's what the Romans would do. They would sit there and it's like, yeah, you're gonna get our stuff, but we're gonna keep your culture just enough to where it's not that much of a drastic change. Your lives will go, well, mostly as normal. It's just we're going to be keeping an eye on you. Yeah, I mean. Some things like aqueducts, and then you can get into the whole list of what have the Romans given us? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, one of the things I I, I decided, okay, I was going to include some uh, information about the Celtic uh, religious festivals around this time of year. The problem is they got sucked up by the Romans. Basically, their religion more or less got glommed on and sucked into the Roman religion and... Uh, only vestiges remain of their of their traditions. Now, you, I, yes, I I understand you can go out there and search on Celtic solstice festivals. What you're seeing there are the neo pagan recreations of them, including ones that say, "Oh yes, and the Celts had Yule logs." No, the Germans had Yule logs, not the Celts. Yeah. <laughs> So I pretty much have give, I decided that yeah mistletoe and holly and we're good. Uh, there is you know the the, the Celtic uh, the, the the Celtic religion pretty much has been sucked up and eaten eaten alive by the Roman by the Roman pantheon. So 
it's pretty much a Roman a Roman uh, celebration with, of course, modifications for each area. But yeah, but uh, but so um, so it's the 15th century. They got uh, printing presses and they got themselves guns. They got themselves, you know, uh, they can t- a message can travel across Rome in less than a day. <sighs> So what's what's it like? In, what's what's Saturnalia like in Rome, there, Trav? Saturnalia, Saturnalia, yeah. Saturnalia, Saturnalia. I'm gonna trip over that sucker all night long. <laughs> well, it was celebrated with a sacrifice at the Temple of Saturn in the Roman Forum and a public banquet, followed by private gift giving, continual partying, and basically a uncharacteristic carnival atmosphere gambling was permitted and the masters provided now they didn't cook the meals the slaves still cooked the meals but the masters were the ones that served the slaves that day it was almost i can see where this tradition adapted into boxing day they're also the the slaves were free to comment on but why slaves realized uh, to keep their mouth shut about certain things. Otherwise, uh, you know, it, theoretically, they can make, you know, they can comment on and make and criticize their masters, but they realize that come the, the day after Saturnalia, they re- they'll remember those comments. <laughs> That's why you do it when the masters are drunk off their butt. That's why. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you say something? I don't know what you're talking about, master. I didn't say a thing. Yeah. Oh, about gambling? Uh, one thing I decided in, in the write-up, was that it's unsanctioned gambling is is allowed during Saturnalia. Rome, like every other municipality and government in the world, discovered that, you know what? We make money off of gambling. <laughs> so it's unsanctioned gambling that's now allowed, which is a bit different than... Because remember, they, they, they basically, Romans, Romans did away with gambling, except for horse races and betting and gla- gladi- gladiatorial uh, bouts. Um, but I can imagine... Well, well yeah. Well, it, from what I'm seeing here, because I'm here at the font of all wisdom and knowledge, Wikipedia, we got to work on that, that we get echo going. Gambling and dice playing, normally prohibited, or at least frowned upon, was permitted for all, even slaves. Coins and nuts were the stakes. On the calendar of Philoculus, the Saturnalia is represented by a man wearing a fur-trimmed coat next to a table with dice and a caption reading, Now you have licensed slave to game with your master. Rampant overeating and drunkenness became the rule, and a sober per- person the, except- the exception. My kind of party, hey. <laughs> and there were several festivals that went on. Dice, food, and drink. Sounds like a weekend at my table, heck. <laughs> yeah, because you know, we had the opening cer- the opening ceremonies. This is going to be true across across all, all, all of the Pax Romana. You had the opening ceremonies, as, as, as Trav pointed out. There's a sacrifice. There's sacrifice, and I had to look this up. Was of suckling pigs. They were, you know, lots of them because they're the ones that are going to the banquet, the public banquet. There, everyone got to eat, eat, got to eat at. Also, during the the three days, of, it basically was three days of public ceremonies. Uh, during those three days, everybody is a freedman. Everybody got to wear the special little hat that designated you're a freedman. Now, in the fifteenth, you know, no, twenty, whatever. In, in current uh, Petromana, people don't wear those hats except during Saturnalia. It's sort of like, you know, oh, we all, it's the Saturnalia hat. Yeah, they've, they've totally forgotten what it meant. But what it meant was, you're a freedman, and everyone got to wear them. 
In fact, everyone does did wear them. So that includes senators. The emperor himself would wear wear one, wear, wear, would wear one, and everyone was the same during those three days. There was no slaves. Theoretically, there were, but you know, there well. What I'm saying was, it, you know, the people, you know, could at least pretend that they were freed during that time period. So it's it's in, an interesting uh, thing. But yeah, there was lots of ceremonies that went festivals. So you had Saturnalia, the the opening festivals, where they went to the temple of Saturn, unbound the feet of of Saturn's statue, because they were bound in wool, and then at the end of it, they unbound it to show freedom. Yes. Yes. Yep. So there's that. Then the next day, at least in, in uh, I would say probably in, uh, this probably doesn't happen in Rome, but it does happen in Londinium, is the Feast of Eponia. Eponia used to be a, a Celtic go- goddess, uh, protective of horses and doggies and mules. Well, uh, she basically gets a celebration on the 18th, on December 18th. Uh, and I'm not sure what they, what, unfortunately, I read through the uh, festivals. They really don't say what they, what they, what they, eat at it or anything like that so i figure it's probably more pig <laughs> you know more suckling pig you know we're gonna you know i, I just could imagine that the farmers are working their butts off making sure there's enough suckling pig for the three days of the celebration the name of that cap is a pileus p-i-l-l-e-u-s a pileus the conical felt cap that was the usual mark of a freedman yep and during the last day of of, of the three public uh, celebration days was the celebration and feast of Ops or Opus, the wife of Saturn. Uh, that one, let's see, where is that link for it? Yeah, yeah. it was called Apalia. And basically, she was a harvest god, she was a goddess of crops and so forth, but she also was called a Chthonian god, she was an underworld goddess. Uh, but because she lived in the world, she worked on the roots instead of on, on the top. So uh, she also was considered mother of the gods. And she also was related to um, the old the, the old god Dispater, D-I-S-P-A-T-E-R, T-E, yeah, you got that right. Otherwise known as Pluto, uh, the god of the dead. So it also was a bit of a... Of a Celebration of of the uh, uh, celebration and honoring of the dead. Um, when the Saturnalia was first started, uh, they would actually have gladiatorial combat to sacrifice to Dispater, uh, and uh, basically heads to Dispater and bodies to Saturn. Yeah, these gladiator events, ten days and all th- all throughout December, were presented mainly by the quaestors and sponsored with funds from the treasury of Saturn. The practice of gladiator munera was criticized by Christian apologists as a form of human sacrifice. Yeah, of course, as we said, because the emperor, first emperor was Spartacus, they went by the wayside really quick. Uh, and said these days, in you know, the current, current Rome, uh, instead of sacrificing people, you get candles as a gift. And the candles are, are molded in the shape of gladiators. Old-fashioned gladiators. They're usually made out of tallow, or, or if you're rich, you get ones made out of uh, honeycomb, out of beeswax. Ah. Uh, the, the, the tallow ones are actually probably more pure because they're made out of real fat, out of real animal stuff. Well, the beeswax, yes, it's made from an animal, but it's not the same. So people think the, think the, bees, the tallow are actually more, more sacred than the beeswax ones. But 
if you're rich, you buy beeswax because it looks cool and they last longer. Tallow candles burn right down. <sighs> really fast. <laughs> uh, see what else. Uh, then after that, we have the private celebrations. This is where you get a lot of the, the role reversal, where, ser- where servants are served by their masters. Technically, they ate the same table. So there was no servants serving the, you know, no one serving meals. It was more like a, I would say more like a buffet where everyone got to serve each other. And it was, it's more of a openness, but still, yeah, the slaves still made, well, the servants still made the food. Um, then on the 21st <coughs> was uh, Divalia. Uh, this was in honor of the goddess, I'm going to mispronounce her name, and and Girona. I believe it's pronounced, and Angerona was the protector of Rome. She sometimes was conflated with, with, with the goddess Roma, but for the most part, she was listed, listed as the protector of Rome, also as a healer, a healing god, and would heal people. You know, you would go to her for, if you got sickness, you'd go and pray to her. Um, but, it, but it was held, her festivals were held in the temple of Voluptia, the goddess of joy and pleasure. Go figure. It's Romans. <laughs> so there's this. I, I, I really can't get much on the festival other than it was held in her honor. So I guess it's another festival. Probably more pigs. More in more sense than one. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, it was basically the driveway, the sorrow and, and, and chagrin of life. So. So yeah, it was a, a celebration. Uh, then we have another day of of uh, private celebrations, and then the last day, the last celebration that capped the, the Saturnalia time period was Larentalia, the uh, honor of the Lari of the uh, uh, Laris, basically the Roman god, the Roman household gods. Basically, and the household gods were, in a sense, um, people, the dead, you know, honored dead and so forth. So this is, really was a Day of the Dead uh, celebration. Uh, sacrifices were made. Uh, this is where you get see more candles these days being burned and so forth and other forms of offerings, um, you know, would be, would be burned and uh, uh, at the various altars. In Rome, it would be at the altar of Acca Larentia. Uh, she was the uh, the the nurse who nursed uh, Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome. Yes. So that be a, that would be a special uh, one right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like a lot of a lot of feast. There, there's a lot of feasting. This is basically a, a time of lots of feasting. Uh, as I said, Eponia probably is a more uh, Celtic celebration than it would be in Rome, so I wouldn't probably see Eponia uh, celebration happening in Rome, but it would definitely happen in Gaul and definitely happen in Britannia. Um, let's see. Uh, and then, of course, the day after 24th would be Market Day. <laughs> you know, as everyone would go and buy the stuff they need for the survive for another another eight days. Uh, then there's the solstice, and as far as I can tell, the Romans didn't celebrate the solstice itself. There's no the only celebration I ever saw was was a Mithras cult celebration, 
And the Mithras cult really don't doesn't exist in this version of Rome because, well, the Persians got stomped and it's now just a province of the Roman Empire. So the Mithraic culture probably sucked right in, again, sucked right back into uh, the Roman pantheon. So it's probably a, a variation. Mithras is now probably a Mithras Apollo, uh, for all we know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's but there really was never not a solstice op, a solstice celebration. Um, uh, amongst the Celts, there'd be in Londinia you see a lot more holly, a lot more mistletoe in place um, uh, because it's cold. A lot more drink, a lot more hearty drinks like you know stronger beers and so forth. Not no not wine. Uh, a lot more wine in Rome, right, right, Trav? Well, yeah. Well, we already discussed about with the wine and I think lead and all that. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine a, a thousand years later, someone, some the Romans uh, during the reading, the Romans knew this. You know, the Romans knew they simply decided to ignore it. So I would imagine a thousand years they figured it out enough that you know, as as was pointed out, we may actually be seeing cast iron pipes being made instead of lead pipes, you know, cause hey, if they can make cannons, they can make pipe, they can make iron pipes. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So it's not, it's not going to be a problem in modern, in modern day Rome, current Rome, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's see, but how do we make it? Now Bruce is saying, how's, how's how, bringing the awesome? Well, I mean, there's lots of things that happen in Londinium. I mean, in the, in this time period, uh, the 15th century, where it takes place approximately, uh, the Thames, the Thames River froze over four times, uh, and there's actually a goddess of the Thames River. So I could, you know, I can see uh, if the, if they come through at the right time of year, and boy, am I gonna blow her, blow really blow up her name when I try to pronounce it. Uh, they might be a year where the Thames is frozen over, and there'll be a celebration of Tommy Adas. <laughs> The goddess of the River Thames, on the River Thames, an ice festival, and that would be because it only happens like it only happened like four times in the 15th century. Uh, that's going to be a very special festival. A lot of people will consider that a lucky year, even though the river has frozen over. Um, now, amongst the folks who are not celebrating, definitely are going to be any of the any of the Judean cults. Um, so yeah, you're not going to see if there's Saturnalia happening in the the Arabic peninsula. peninsula it's only being done by Romans. It's not being done by the, by the locals, and only the Rome and the Romans probably have to import their pigs to celebrate properly. <laughs> um, ooh, that would be, that would be an interesting thing. You're 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 playing if you're playing a Roman character, you've been asked to bring to someone needs some needs some. They want pigs from Rome. For the celebration there on Earth Prime, they don't like the Earth. They don't like Earth Prime's pigs. They're not fat. They don't have enough fat in them. <laughs> uh, how, you know, so how can we bring the awesome to this, Trav? Well, th- we did mention before the podcast that I debt people who would be deciding. Well, let's go celebrate the winter solstice on this world. You had mentioned earlier that they're not going to go all the way to Rome. They're, the portal is there near Londinium, so they're going to get the what's I'm looking for here? The, the local color, hybridized version of Saturnalia. You aren't going to yep. be getting straight Roman. You're going to be getting Roman mixed with the Celts and 
you know, Gallo Roman. Yeah. Gallo Roman. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So you're going to, they're, they're going to be getting quite the unique, hearty, rustic experience more than, you know, they're in the Roman villa, you know, a lot of different foodstuffs. I mean, yeah, they'll have the pigs. I mean, you can't go, you can't get away from the suckling pig. Right. But they'll have other foodstuffs. They won't have the same food stuff. Uh, if there's fish, it's going to be fish that you can catch off the uh, off the uh, all the British Channel and the and the North and the North Sea. It's going to be a different different kind of fish. Thing, I which would, we yeah, get. I would see maybe some venison there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm seeing some deer. Well, I don't know if they have moose and elk in Britain. I don't think so. Probably deer though. I mean, definitely that type of. Wild boar. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I suppose so. They would do that. I mean, yeah, they'd have the suckling pig probably as, you know, okay, that's the part of the tradition. But in as they adapt, yeah, they're gonna get I like- the wild boar and the the venison. Actually, I can see that as a as a pre Saturnalia event. You know, get the get your boar spears. We're getting we're getting dinner for Saturnalia. <laughs> You know, you know, two or three days beforehand, you you know, you you can say you you your hand you're you're handed a boar spear and said, "Come on, you're gonna help us get get some get some get a big boar for for the for the uh, dinner at the at the legions, in the in the legion in the legion fort." <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting because you, you know, hunting boar that's fairly dangerous. Oh yeah, you're taking your life in your own hands. You're hunting a boar because those things fight until they're dead. So yeah, you're you. There's a high attrition rate on boar hunters. <laughs> the uh, their tusks are right at the correct level to just tear up your legs and cause you to bleed out. Oh yeah. So if you if you're eating boar, yeah, you you are a BMF because <laughs> if you kill that boar, yeah, they're gonna be looking at you going, man. Okay, we're not messing with him. <laughs> So to look at it from, and I'm not going to interject some game rules. Most game rules actually don't cover this sort of thing. So I would imagine, you know, GMs, if you're going to have your people boar hunt, make it a series of tests. Uh, basically, they got to find the boars are wily beasts. They're they're going to know they're being hunted. So yeah, so you so you're going to have to track them down. You got to you know you know use your tracking skills to find that boar. Make that a series of tests, and then when you find corner it. Yeah, unless you have backup, finding a boar by yourself is not a good idea because it's never by itself. There's usually if it's there'll it, probably be another boar over there, so you so you so you can be attacked by two different boars who know to come at you from two different sides. They're very smart, very very smart. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else could you do? Oh 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 oh. oh. Yeah, and of course, another way to put it awesome in this because it is because there is, um, as we pointed out during the Roman the Roman show, there are the Nazarenes, who are basically the Taliban of the Judeans. Um, uh, there's quite possible that they will try to disrupt the celebrations any way they can, and they have gunpowder. Uh, sources refer to a Saturnalius's princeps who ruled as the master of ceremonies for the proceedings. He was appointed by Lot and as a compared to the medieval Lord of Misrule at the Feast of Fools. His capricious commands, such as sing naked or throw him into cold water, had to be obeyed by the other guests at the convivium. He creates and misrules a chaotic and absurd world. 
Now, you know that I did. They're thinking, oh, yeah, it's just a Roman feast. All of a sudden, you want me to do what? You want me to do what to who? You're the king of Saturnalia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I got to do what with who for how many muffins, as my daughter would say? Yeah. So, yeah, that could throw a lot of them for a loop. Because they're just thinking, yeah, we're feasting with Romans, and yeah, we had to sing naked. Wait a minute, I didn't sign on for this. That's when that crystal flash. That's not that wasn't part of the deal. Yeah. Or they're put in position of being the king of Saturnalia, and now they have to, you know, there's a certain level of well debauchery expected of the king. Well, yeah. Well, there are probably some idiot explorers be like, hey. When in Rome or near Rome, you know, hey, I'm taking one for the team. So of course, so of course, the person you give it to is the most uptight, straight-laced person <laughs> in the group. <laughs> Which means you get to have fun with your players, folks. The one person who's supposed to be the uptight player, and and not the character, the player. That that's the best part of the GM. Just you look at them. Oh yeah, yeah, and then they just go, wait, wait. Everybody at the table looks at them like, yeah, let's see you do this. Yeah. Um. Uh, Nero, it said the future Emperor Nero was recorded as playing the role in his youth. That explains a lot. Uh. There was some thought in some, at, at least some periods he was sacrificed. Uh, not always, but you never know. You know I, I would say in the, in, in the current, in the, in the, in the uh, current uh, Pax Verona, no. You're, you're pretty much safe. Though you probably could get, though you remember, within reason... Yes, you are the you, you, people have to must obey your rules, but if you get too mean and nasty, people will, rem, will remember. <laughs> you know, and while legally they can't do anything about it, they sure as heck can make your life miserable afterwards. Oh yeah. <laughs> so think twice about ha- about taking taking the Lord Mayor's wife to bed. <laughs> Oh, what else is in there? In in there, because you have all these different festivals. So of course, screwing up a festival is always fun. Um, you know, especially if the you know, if you get invited to a private festival, uh, you, you, yeah, brushing up on your on what on 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 the uh, etiquette in modern Rome. I mean, yeah. Being taken to a private res- residence means you're going to have to, you know, well, work, deal with it. Because, in fact, you know, not all residences, you know, have freedmen working for them. In fact, most, I would say, if they're rich enough to have uh, servants, they're the servants they don't actually have to pay. They're going to be slaves. So you have to deal with that fact uh, that slavery still is, you know, rampant in, in, the, Roman, in the Roman culture. It's not as rampant as it was before, as it was, uh, say, a uh, thousand years ago. But it's still rampant, and there's still people who have slaves, and yeah, you're gonna have to get used to that fact uh, when you go to a pri- to a private dinner or something like that. Uh, let's see. Oh, anything else? Oh, and make sure you when you bet, you know, Roman dice are handmade. So, it, how can it? What's the word again uh, about hot dice? Um, <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, these dice, yeah, and knuckle, and there's also both natural and artificial knuckle bones. Um, knuckle bones is a, is a strange, strange game. 
Um, and there'd be other games too. I mean, there's actually—I would imagine—by the time it hits a thousand years, they'd actually have a lot more than just plain old dice games. They'd have a lot of different games. Uh, with a printing press, that means you have cards. There'd be card games. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That—that's and and something else. I mean, I'm sure that. Well, because I'm trying to remember somewhere I read that actually there were poems that were written. So technically. They had greeting cards, in a way. They had their first greeting cards with, if they would have had a printing press available to them, they could crank out, you know, you know, in Latin, Merry Wishes for You and Your Family, Yo Saturnalia, you know. And would they have those kind of weird greeting cards like we see on Facebook? Oh, I don't know about that. There's some of those that are just wrong. <laughs> those some e-cards, yeah, oh... Oh, oh, and and, and be prepared for, to dress badly during Saturnalia. This is the only time of the year that it was considered appropriate to wear what's called Cynthius. Cynthius? 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 I can't pronounce that. S-Y-N-T-H-E-S-I-S. Cynthius, which were Greek uh, clothes, which were incredibly colorful. So, so think about the worst... Christmas sweater you ever seen? Now imagine someone wearing that on purpose. Dude, they in Ann Arbor. I I BS not. Me and uh, Laura were walking through, and they actually were marketing for the Christmas season fugly sweaters. So they actually marketed. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just I'm going. I just looked at her. I said, I see it as synthesis. S y n t h e s i synthesis like. A synthesis of, you know, putting two things together. That's how it's uh, colorful dinner clothes, otherwise considered in poor taste for daytime wear. Yes. And that would be instead of the toga. Yeah, well, toga is pretty much something you that's, that senators wear and people wear when they're trying to really dress up. But for the most part, people wear pants. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm reading here, the toga, the characteristic garment of the male Roman citizen, was set aside in favor for the Greek synthesis. Colorful, and air quotes here, dinner clothes, otherwise considered important. Suits. Togas were, were suits, top hats, that kind of thing. The, the equivalency of the moderns. Because people just didn't wear togas in that environment. Yeah, in Rome, and especially during during the, the, the cold years, when that wind blows up your toga, you wish you had something on other than a toga. <laughs> you know, uh, I would say pants probably have come into, into, a, into, into the fore, because, well, basically the Germans wore pants. And that probably more or less, when you realize it's cold and you wear pants, your legs stay warm, hey, that's a good idea. But I imagine you still have togas, but it's more like you said. Like you said, it's more like business clothes or, or official wear. But you probably have a pair of pants underneath them, though. Well, also it, it's Rome. It's near the Mediterranean. It's going to be warm anyways. I doubt it gets that cold. Yeah, we and we can touch on how it would be in different areas too. Like Germ in the Germanic areas, it's going to be more. You'll definitely will have Yule logs burning. Yeah. And they, they definitely, Germans did actually did have definite solstice festivals, so they were probably modified uh, into something more, uh, like I said, like the, like the Celtic festivals got modified, the Germanic ones would be, would be modified as well, and uh, they would be different, and I'll leave it up to the GMs to figure out how different they would be. 
you know, it, it, the Romans love adapting and, and swallowing religions whole, um, especially if they're panthe- pantheistic. Um, and if you get down into the, um, say, like in Ethiopia, Ethiopia was, um, at that point in time, there was animistic uh, reliefs, and also, but there also was the, 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 the large Jewish population in Ethiopia. So their celebrations would be, again, different. Uh, there is definitely people not um, celebrating. Uh, one of the things I pointed, I, I, I've put in about the about the Londinium, the Londinium um, garrison uh, is 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 holding the Ethiopian legion, and and the and the commander is an Ethiopian. Um, and if you think about it for a second, that pretty much means most of the people in that legion are Ethiopians. Oh yeah, yeah. And at this point, I'm going to say that Londinium, of all the places you can visit in Brit in in the Britannia, and is um, is very cosmopolitan. You'll see people of all stripes walking in that town, of you know all colors and shapes and sizes. And considering it's going to be a central portal area, and when it becomes that, it's going to become a city. It's going to become something even bigger because of the trading, the IDEP coming in, the uh, that kind of thing. It's already big. I mean, I've looked at maps of Londinia, and I looked at it and said, okay, this is what we're like in 300. What's it going to be like when it hits 1500 AD? And I said, look at London, 1500 AD. It's about that size right now, and it's going to get bigger because they'll one the hill with the hill with the where the portal's hidden inside the Romans will just take that hill right down just cut right down to the ground and open that thing up so it's out in the open so yeah there'll be roads and Romans love building roads and there'll be roads and uh, buildings built around it and there'll be a whole complex built around that portal around that ring station yeah so it'll, yeah you're right it'll be a major trading trading port. port. And, and and every time a new every time a new legion shows up, they get marched through the portal just to see if any any of them are fringeworthy. <laughs> you know that might be fun next year uh, to build a Roman road out to my garden. Okay, Richard, have you ever seen? Okay, I, I've seen various reconstructions of Roman roads. the the most the, the most insane one was the Appian Way, where they dug down twenty feet for the base, and then built up from there. Are you do are you gonna do that kind of Roman road? Or are you gonna do the the more like provincial roads? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I would I would really like to see the Roman road they found in Michigan, but uh, you know the, the property is not allowed to be uh, accessed. Yeah, I mean, I saw a diorama of a Roman road uh, being built, and yeah, they literally dug down about ten twenty feet to start the foundation. For it, that's what the Appian Way is still there. <laughs> and they keep repairing it. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, my one time in in uh, when I was living in Germany, they had to they had to fix the sewers in downtown Ansbach, and downtown Ansbach has a cobblestone road. So the week before, some German went through and numbered every stone, and then he pulled them all up. Did their work and they pull them all back down, in order. They only fit one way. If you if you don't fit them right, if you don't put them back right, they'll they'll have loose stones stone sticking up, causing problems. <laughs> they gotta be put back the way they were put they were put down originally, and that's kind of, 
Yeah, but that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, you can you get a lot of adventures during during Saturnalia. You allow, you allow getting in trouble because you get drunk. Uh, you know, either on wine or on beer or whatever substances they happen to, to find. I mean, you know, uh, drug control in Rome? Yeah, let's think about that for a second. Uh, no, okay, yeah, you can get high on just about anything they can cultivate. Yeah. Now for a palate cleanser, let's move on to Peter and the wild and woolly winter adventure on the planet of the eight-legged celebrants. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to do a winter feat the, the winter festival the, the most popular one because of, of course it's it's a whole planet and they have multiple cultures and stuff so there would be there'd be plenty but this is this is their Christmas. This is my my made up version of of what would be the closest thing to their Christmas. Um, okay, so I made some assumptions. Uh, they they are insectoid, so uh, I made a few assumptions about about their their culture and and uh, their biology as as well. So, Rich, you can you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or you can just go with it. Um, <laughs> uh, but let let me go through this whole thing first because there there are some bits that you might ask a question now, but I might be covering it later on. So. Uh, take notes, and when we, we'll go back over this question-wise, but let, let me run through the whole thing first, if you, would, if you all would. All right, so uh, there are two, two ways to refer to this, this winter festival. There's the uh, Kirilina, which is uh, known as the Waking Feast, or the uh, Turginda, which is the Golden Night. Uh, so the legend goes – now, this is, this is the, the legend portion of the celebration – uh, the great golden weavers, a, a giant demixie wearing purple and golden robes, carrying large sacks filled with cocoon feasts. They come from the stars and drop from the skies at night on a golden thread and move through the town delivering their goodies. 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 When done, they float back into the sky. Uh, this is uh, during a time of hibernation, uh, the, the winter time. Uh, the demixie hibernate not... And it, it's not they go to sleep and six months later they wake up. They just sleep a lot more during this time. Um, it's also known as uh, the uh, – what I was saying before about the waking feast. The reason why they call it the waking feast is um, uh, so, so while hibernation is becoming a thing of the past in modern times, the celebration is a holdover from when the Demixie would take – would would wake for several days to eat before going back to sleep. So they would they would actually come out of their mostly slumber and get up and have a festival for several days and then go back into a mostly slumber uh, period of time. This is falling out of fashion because now you have cities and a more modern um, a more modern lifestyle. So they have you know they have artificial light and artificial heating and all that kind of stuff. So. They're kind of getting away from it, much the way humans today sleep an eight-hour cycle at night, which we didn't used to do uh, a long time ago. We would get up in the middle of the night, and you know, just patterns change as, as times go on. Um, so the, the, the weavers, the, the big giant demixie that comes down from the sky, um, uh, they, would, uh, they would string golden strands throughout the village. Uh, in classic times, so... So to replicate this, you know, getting away from the legend and getting into the, the real, what people really do for the celebration. Uh, in classic times, this was done the night before, so the kids would see it in the morning, and because they were mostly sleeping prior to the celebration. 
In modern times, it's usually done weeks before, uh, much like we do put up Christmas decorations way before Christmas actually happens. Um, and parents run a golden strand to the house. So, you know, the community or the city or, or the government or, or whatever agency w- would do this will run golden strands throughout the city as decoration. Uh, you know, they'll have celebrations and people will go out and, and do their, their holiday stuff and play whatever holiday music that the Mixie would listen to. Um, but it's still tradition at night, the parents will go out and string a golden strand from the main strand to their house. Um, while not ubiquitous, it is very common for cities to display a massive demixie in their traditional purple and golden outfit. It is filled with hydrogen during the celebration and set free at the end with a long wire. When it reaches a safe height, it is ignited. In olden times, this was done with a balloon-type design, much like the Chinese lanterns. Uh, but in modern cities, it proves to be too dangerous. So this is the thought of how it, it the the Demixi, the the uh, Golden Weaver would would float back up into space and become one of the stars again, and that's how they kind of simulate this. Um, so as a big part of the celebration, they leave cocooned creatures on doorsteps the night before, uh, eating them the next day. In modern times, the cocoons are generally left out uh, within the house during the night. A sack filled with enzyme-dissolved proteins and injected with spices, often heated before serving. During fancy meals, so this would be more of your upper-class demixie, it is eaten with fancy straws. So they have their, you know, how they would normally suck it up, but they they would have like their their silverware, their fancy straws. Uh, The feast is usually a pig-sized mammal, depending on the location, you know, wherever, depending on where your, um, your, your celebration is. Uh, desserts, and this is mostly for the kids, uh, but, but a lot of parents indulge in these as well, are small puppy-sized larvae. These are often mixed with a spice that is honey-like to the demixie. However, humans find this food unpalatable and often induces involuntary vomiting. Uh, there are different versions to this celebration. So in some places, they do gift exchanges. Uh, in other locations, more of your, your more remote or your, your older, more classical locations, I, this is generally depending on the, the local variety of food, what people mostly eat. Uh, the, the cocoons can be filled with, instead of mammals, they can be filled with fish or birds, and in a very rare occasion, a carnivorous plant. Um, village gatherings, uh, in villages, they, they gather with a giant feast, so this is more of like your old school kind of village. Uh, often includes dancing, music, uh, and, and such. Uh, but these are falling out of fashion in modern times, but many of the rural locations still have great celebrations. And then in one other, uh, one other variation to this, uh, in some coastal villages, it is common for cities to display a massive paper mache and wax demixie in the traditional purple and golden outfit, and this is done on the shore. Uh, it is burned at the end of the celebration and set out to sea. This is because in the coastal villages, the legend has them coming in from the sea and going out, going back out to the sea. And that is it. That is the Demixie Solstice Celebration. Okay. Can I say something? Sure. All right. Absolutely canon now. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and, and send me that. If you got... It, if you got it written up, send it to me. I'll make sure I include uh, include that in the uh, in the uh, in the Savage Worlds game. Sure, I got it. It's, yeah, it's all written up. Great big gobs of greasy grimy gopher guts. 
<laughs> yeah, you're really tasty to... when spiced. <laughs> right. I was I was trying to think like it. And I forget. And I forgot my spoon. <laughs> I was trying to think like a spider. Like like how can I make this this alien but still reminiscent of something we would recognize? So that's that's where I've been. I wrote this up today, but I've been thinking about it all week. Did you do any kind of electrification or um, uh, lighting, specific lighting, having to do with this festival? Oh, it could be. Sure, sure. I mean, um, you know, you you could have. I didn't. I didn't. But there's no reason why some people wouldn't have like maybe the uh, the the golden strands they run through town to be like light strands because they're, they're mixing or modern. But the the fifties, I believe it is fifties, sixties, somewhere around in there. So they could have you know light strands. You go to the LEDs, that kind of thing. Sure. Especially with with the modern introduction, you know, an introduction to IDET and such, they might be like uh, incorporating a lot of this technology and saying, "Oh, we can do this for our celebration." Imagine a, an actual golden glowing line. Yeah, the year equivalent is actually nineteen ninety. Oh, is it ninety? Okay, I'm sorry. All right, yeah, so ninety. That's, that's good enough. Pretty much anything you want to do is fine. Sure. I mean, uh, I would imagine you said it would be government things doing the Golden Strand, but I imagine it'd be more community things. If there's like Builder Demixie would be out there leaping from tree to tree, dragging with a drag line, and then send another Demixie behind them, busy decorating it or covering it with with with, with the fake gold flakes as fat before it dries out. Sure, or like he's going behind it with a spray can, spraying it golden. <laughs> or lots of tinsel, or tinsel actually, tinsel hitting it with tinsel. And then, then the parents would then weave their little bits and tinsel it up, and yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun. And uh, <laughs> also, it's they're they're arachnoids, not insectoids. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. They're arachnoids, exactly. No, but I mean, you know, they they there are varieties of spiders that dissolve their foods and, and liquefy them and eat them. So I uh, I kind of went with that angle. Now, now, where I remember from our Demixie show. Uh, they're suffering from global warming, so there is no snow. So there's no making snowmen, okay, or snow to mixie. There's no making snow to mixie because uh, they're going through massive global warming. Do you want to make a snow to mixie? You know, and that could, that could be another. <laughs> that that could also be leading to another reason why uh, hibernation, uh, uh, an additional reason why hibernation is falling out of a fashion because it's not as cold, and and they're just that's part of their response. Their, you know, their biological response. They don't need to sleep longer hours. Right. Well, also keep in mind the fact that this is modern. So, you know, they could be using all kinds of substitutes for snow. I mean, in, in Hollywood, they use potato flakes as uh, on most of the sets where you see snow. It's actually potato flakes, hmm. uh, styrofoam, all kinds of stuff could be done. And of course, they're modern to mixie. They can make snow if they want it. <laughs> so sure. and there's no reason why you can't have a whole theme park that's all oriented toward the, the, the great maker and, uh, uh, and, and have it all nice and snowy. Oh, was it Kubrick used salt and soap flakes in The Shining for the for the maze? Hmm. Okay, so thanks everybody for listening to our. Is this our fifth or our sixth Christmas episode? I can't remember. I don't know. Um, We're on our sixth season. So, yeah, this would be our sixth Christmas episode. So we want to thank you guys for, for being with us all this time. And if you're new, thanks for joining us. We uh, hope that you will uh, not necessarily incorporate these festivals into your daily life, but we hope that you'll bring the creativity that went into them and apply it to your game and your life in general. 
We hope that your families will a blessing to you this year and that you will see prosperity. And we hope that you will be with us not, uh, in the new year, hopefully playing our games. And if not, commenting on our Facebook and uh, iTunes and Podbean sites for all the things that are TriTac. And remember, it's not too it's not too late to go and uh, order uh, a TriTac games <laughs> uh, for your uh, stocking or anywhere else. They're downloadable. You can have them like on Christmas Eve. And we all would like to wish you all a Yo Saturnalia. What is what is a slog end of the year blessing? We didn't have to eat our children. Oh, God. Yummy. Hey, and, and, and from the Demixie homeworld, enjoy your waking feast. May your cocoon full full of sloshy goodness be spicy and warm. <laughs> May your belly slosh with as much fervor as the cocoons did. <laughs> <laughs> But for more stuff like this, and maybe not, <laughs> we, will, <laughs> we will have more for you next week. But until then. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. Have a Merry Christmas!